Tonight I'd like to speak about pain. Usually by the second evening of the retreat, people are quite interested in this topic. Pain is a very important topic to understand. Because if what we're trying to do with our practice is to come increasingly into the present moment, to be more awake, more alive to our experience in each moment, one of the things that we can observe is that it's the way we relate to pain in our conditioned habit pattern of response that very often keeps us out of being in the moment. Because pain or discomfort or unpleasantness is part of being alive, is part of existence, and because we don't like it, when we begin to experience it in our lives, we've created innumerable ways, both gross and subtle, of avoiding feeling that pain. And all those ways of avoidance are exactly the ways which keep us out of being in the moment, of being present. Until we've so created, we've created such a intricate and elaborate web of avoidance mechanisms that we find it actually very difficult to settle back into the simplicity of the moment's experience. So I think it's helpful to look very carefully and precisely at exactly what pain is, the ways we've been conditioned to respond to it, and some possible alternatives, some ways that might be more skillful or more empowering of us to be present. There are different kinds of pain that people experience, and it's helpful to distinguish them because the response is different dependent upon the kind of painful feeling that it is. One kind of pain is the pain of a danger signal. If you put your hand into fire and it starts to feel hot and burning, you wouldn't particularly want to just keep it in there saying burning, burning, burning. (laughs) You might choose to, but it's not particularly the wisest course of action. Pain is a danger signal is telling us something. It's telling us to take some action. There's some danger. Another kind of pain that people experience, especially on retreats, is the pain of an unaccustomed posture. Most of you probably have not had so much experience of sitting so many hours a day, cross-legged on a bench, or even on a chair. And just being in a different posture for so long put some strain on the body. How to know when that kind of pain is a danger signal or when it's just the getting used to a different posture? One guideline that you can use, which I found helpful in my practice, if when you're sitting, you sit for the 45 minutes or an hour, and your knees are hurting, your back is hurting, and you get up at the end of the sitting, you walk for a few minutes and the pain goes away, then there's not much of a problem. It's not a danger signal. It's just getting used to the posture. If you get up from the sitting and you walk for half an hour and you still feel the pain in your knee or wherever, then that's an indication that perhaps you're straining too much. You're putting too much strain on the body and that you should ease your posture a little bit. There's enough 
difficulty, there's enough pain that comes in the natural course of things so that we don't have to go looking for it. So there's no need to particularly force yourself to sit in a certain position to the point of actually overstressing or overstraining the body. Pay attention to that signal. The third kind of pain is the one that's the most interesting in terms of understanding our lives. I think the first two are fairly obvious. This third kind of pain that we experience has to do with the accumulation of tension, the accumulation of tightness, of holding, that we all carry in our bodies, just in our daily existence. Whenever there's a strong reaction of mind, and you can recall how it is that the body feels when you're very angry, or very excited, any strong kind of feeling or strong kind of reaction creates its concomitant bodily sensation. If we're perfectly mindful at the time, then it's no problem. We experience the emotion and the sensation and it washes through us. If we haven't been so mindful and haven't been so present, what happens is that these sensations or these patterns of energy get locked into the body. And what happens when we begin to sit and pay attention, when we turn our attention inwards rather than going outwards, we begin to feel the energy patterns that have been accumulating for years. We begin to feel it as places of pain or tension or tightness. When you're sitting and you begin to feel the shoulders reaching up to the ears, it's not happening just from the sitting. It's happening because this is what we've accumulated and we're just beginning to get in touch with it, we're beginning to feel it, which is a very healing process, just the becoming aware of it. And you'll find even in nine days, it's quite remarkable how much tension is released simply by being aware of it. Instead of carrying it in an unconscious way, we, become, we begin to become conscious of what actually is stored in our bodies. Most of the tension and pain that people feel in the meditation practice is of this third kind. It's tuning in to the accumulation. It's getting sensitive to it. What happens? What's the mind's response to these feelings of tension or pain or discomfort? There are a couple of common responses that most of us share. One of them is the response of self-pity. You're sitting and your knees are killing you and your back hurts and you just feel terrible. And what does the mind do? Poor me. Poor me. Everybody else is sitting in blissful samadhi (laughs) and I'm the only one who can't do this and poor me. That's one response, right? Feeling sorry for oneself. It's common. Perhaps an even more conditioned response is that of fear. Most of us, until we've learned really to explore and investigate the nature of pain, most of us are afraid of it. We're afraid of feeling pain. We're afraid of feeling discomfort. What's the problem with these responses? The problem is that they're not helpful. They're not helpful in understanding the pain. They're not helpful in releasing it. What happens when we're afraid? What happens when we're fearful? The body contracts. It tightens. It pulls back from the experience, from the object. As we contract, as we pull back, 
we're storing more pain. We're getting more tight, more tense. We lock the whole, the whole energy pattern in, in a deeper way. Self-pity and fear are not helpful ways to relate to this part of life's experience because it just tightens the knot. What's the alternative then? We're sitting, whether it's in the meditation hall or in one's life, there are times when we become aware of painful feelings. What, what would be a skillful way to relate to that? A way that keeps the mind balanced and allows for the opening, the release, rather than for the tightening. The key element of working with pain is the willingness, and really the courage, to look at it directly. To investigate in a very impeccable way what the nature of that experience is. What is pain? Pain is actually a cover word. Pain is an abstraction for a whole range of different sensations. And in the course of the first couple of days, and it will continue to some extent, you'll get quite familiar with the range of sensations that we call pain. Burning, stabbing, throbbing, pressure, heaviness, pulling, whatever, puncturing, jabbing. (laughs) There's a lot. So the first thing to do is to get past the concept, to get past the abstraction, because often what we're most afraid of is the idea. We create this idea of pain, we, we pull back from the idea, we don't want to feel the pain, but actually as we go underneath the abstraction to the actual experience, we find we do have the ability. We have that capacity of mind to be with the actual sensations that are going on, to be with the burning or the stabbing or the throbbing or the pressure. So to look very carefully, to look past the idea, past the concept, directly and closely to the experience itself. What attitude of mind is necessary to look directly in a balanced way? There's one which is fundamental not only for dealing with painful feeling, but really is the foundation for the entire practice. And that's the attitude of allowing. Being allowing, being accepting. Often during the sittings I've been reminding you to keep the mind soft. That's what I mean by soft. Soft means that we're allowing ourselves to relax into the experience rather than pulling away from it. One of the things that you will learn through the retreat is that pain, painful feeling, is actually a wonderful object of meditation. Because when you're feeling a strong, painful sensation, your mind is not wandering very much. You know, you're probably not thinking of what's for lunch. (laughs) The mind stays right there. What's important is to capture the proper balance so that it can be there, but instead of being there with resistance, it's being there with softness, with that quality of relaxation. When the mind learns how to be with painful feelings softly, with acceptance, you find then that when intense sensation comes, it deepens the practice very quickly. It's a strong object. It's easy to focus on. People have gotten enlightened with pain as the object because it's such a strong, such a strong apparent object.
when you are experiencing intense sensations in the body, become mindful of the attitude you have towards them. First check to see whether you're looking directly at what the sensations are, and then check the attitude of the awareness. Is it soft? Is it contracted? Are you relaxing into it or are you pulling away from it? This is all part of the investigation of how the mind is working. And you'll find that the ability to relax into pain, to soften into the awareness of the sensations, is a tremendously healing energy. It's that softness which creates the space in the system for these energy knots to release. When we're tight and contracted, we don't, we don't give ourselves the opportunity to let go of this tension that, that has been accumulated. Alan mentioned last night a phrase which is very helpful to remember in dealing with pain. And that's the understanding that the letting go happens by letting it be. Often we hear, you know, in spiritual practice, let go, let go, let go, don't be attached, which is all true. But the phrase is not quite right because the letting go implies somebody doing something. As if we could just learn how to let go and it would all disappear. It's simpler than that. What we have to do is to learn how to let things be. And out of the letting be, the letting go occurs by itself. To let things be. How do we not let things be? What are the kinds of resistance that we've created And it's extremely interesting to watch the deviousness of the mind. Because even in the guise of mindfulness, in the guise of awareness, we can be resisting. I'd like to just point out a few of the ways that the mind resists being with experience. I'm sure you'll discover many more of your own. One way is obvious. It's downright aversion to an experience. I don't like it, go away. And there's a feeling of real pushing away. That should be reasonably obvious to you when it occurs. There's another kind of resistance that's a bargain. I'll watch you if you'll go away. Okay, I'll be with you but you have to leave. (laughs) That doesn't work because that's not acceptance. That's a bargain. Another favorite I've seen many, many times in my mind, the sidelong glance. You know, it's like the pain is there and kind of look at it out of the corner of the eye, hoping that by not kind of really totally recognizing it'll just, you know, (laughs) slide off. That also is not acceptance. That's another kind of resistance. One of the fantastic aspects of the mind is that in this regard it can't be fooled the fruit of allowing, the fruit of acceptance, comes from acceptance, not from a pretense of acceptance. And so we have to look very carefully because sometimes the resistance is very subtle. It can be a subtle anticipation, not even a formal bargain. Just watching it in order for something to happen. Just that in order to, that slight anticipation 
That's a kind of pushing at experience. An image which may give you a sense of the quality of mind that's necessary in actually being present. The mind in this sense could be likened to a mirror that simply is reflecting back what comes in front of it. A mirror doesn't push anything away, it doesn't pull anything towards it, it doesn't make bargains, it's not reflecting the object in order for something else to happen, it's just there. You could think of this mirror-like wisdom of the mind as an image for what being with experience means. Do you see how simple it is? It's not easy, but it's simple. The problem is that our minds have gotten so complicated and so... so many reactions of attachments and likes and dislikes and aversion and judgment that we get pushed and pulled around with each moment of experience and we've come so far away from the simplicity of simply being present for what's there. Being particularly mindful of this when the experience is painful is important because it's those experiences in particular which have strongly conditioned resistance and avoidance. And so that's a good time to watch this conditioning of the mind. Why should we do it? Why bother doing it? I'm sure you've asked yourself that (laughs) quite a few times already. There are many reasons for doing it on different levels. One level, one very important one, is that unless we're willing to be present we miss half of our lives. We just cut ourselves off from a whole range of experience that's part of who we are, that's part of our unfolding. And so learning how to be present, learning how to open to the whole range of experience is what allows us to come to a totality of ourselves, to understand the nature of what our mind is about, what our body is about, what our experience is about. Learning to be soft and relaxing into unpleasant situations, and this is one of the most mm, exciting parts of the practice, is that very quickly we're brought up to the edge of what we're willing to be with. Now, I can be with this much discomfort, and more than that is just too much, and so we pull back. And we do it with physical pain, we do it with psychological pain. I can be with this much. What we're practicing is getting right to that edge, and for each of us it's a different edge. And instead of pulling back, saying, okay, let me just relax into this one. Let me soften into this experience. And so the edge, the limit, the boundary gets extended. We say, oh, it's possible. And we come to a new edge, soften into that one, into that one, into that one. Until, and I think you can see the possibility of there being no edges. And that's really where freedom lies. When the mind is so open that it has the capacity to be with any experience without pulling back. It's the direction that we're going in. And every time you're working with particularly intense situations, whether it's physical pain or psychological pain or intense mental states, whatever, each of those times value them 
as times of being at your edge, being at your boundary. It's exactly the time to pay attention, to work, to soften, because that's where the deepest opening will happen. Being accepting, being allowing, paying attention to the ways we resist, the bargaining, the half glances, the anticipation, really paying attention to the subtleties of the resistance in the mind, seeing it, coming back to a softness, simply being with what's there. In this process of opening, rather than pulling back, you will see that there's an amazing and mysterious and wonderful untying of all these energy knots, of all these points of, of tightness in our system, in our mind, in our body, in our emotions. We create the space in which all of these knots can begin to untie. And it happens by itself. It's nothing that we have to do except let things be, to be present. Another interesting conditioning to be aware of in the mind is how desire and fear of discomfort feed into one another. And to illustrate this, I'll tell you a story which happened to me several years ago. I was in England doing a retreat with some Burmese monks at a meditation center. And every morning I would come down for breakfast and there would be the cereal and toast and fruit and tea. That was the, that was the breakfast every morning. So I'd go through the line and take my cereal, two pieces of toast and fruit and tea. And I'd sit down and eat mindfully I get through the whole thing, but the second piece of toast was extra. Didn't didn't want it. I put it back. Second day I go down, same breakfast, I go through the line, I take my cereal, two pieces of toast, fruit and tea, eat mindfully. The second piece of toast I didn't want, I put back. <coughs> Third day I go down, same breakfast, I go through the line, take my cereal. Two pieces of toast, fruit. It took a week. (laughs) And I saw in my mind what I've come to call the just-in-case syndrome. (laughs) You know, how we do things just in case later on we may feel some discomfort. And how that fear of the discomfort, the possible, not even the actual discomfort, just the anticipated discomfort feeds the desire, feeds the reaching out, feeds the grasping. To become mindful of that pattern and to see that we don't have to be so conditioned or so strongly habituated to fear discomfort. We don't have to have our lives driven by that fear or by that avoidance. Sometimes things are pleasant, sometimes they're unpleasant. Fine. That it's okay to be uncomfortable. I like to talk about this a lot because it's something that I've worked on a lot. I've seen how much, how strongly the habit pattern is of having the mind reach out for what's comfortable out of fear of some other experience and how it's not necessary and limiting. It's tremendously limiting.
know, another kind of experience in this regard. Usually I talk of this in the wintertime courses here because it's, it's applicable at the time, but you can get an idea of what's possible. Have you been in situations that are really cold? I mean, if you come to Barry in the winter, you know, in January or February, it can be arctic outside. And it's interesting to go out in that kind of climate that's so intense, just bitter, icy cold, and to play with the reaction to that experience. The, the common response is just the whole system contracts, the mind contracts, pulls in. And then to play with the possibility of opening to it, just opening to the intensity of it. There are so many experiences in our lives that are intense. And it's interesting to see that we do the same thing very often with intense pleasure as well as intense pain. That it takes a quality of relaxing, of softening, to open to the intensity of things. But that as we do that, we get more connected, more alive to experience. Working with the difficulties or discomfort that comes in practice is a training for you. So you really want to see the painful feeling or the painful sensation not as a problem and not as a mistake. It's what's happening in the moment and it's, it's our challenge to investigate what the nature of that experience is and also how we're relating to it. Another attitude that's very helpful in the practice, in our lives, is a sense of humor. Having that quality, a certain quality of a lightness of mind about things, even when they get intense, There was one time when I was doing a lot of intensive practice with a teacher who had us do vow hours. That is where you took the vow not to move. And this was more or less in the beginning of my practice, toward the beginning. And by the end of the day, it was just agony. You know, it felt like somebody was hammering a nail through my knee. And this teacher had the habit, this particular course, of starting off the sitting, then going off to his room just off the meditation hall. He'd start off the sitting, and then he'd leave and go into his room, and be reading his newspaper and chomping on an apple and having tea, all of which you could hear. <laughs> you know, and there we were, and I was sitting with this vow not to move, with this excruciating pain. My mind is screaming, I, literally. I mean, the, the silent scream, do you know that one? <laughs> and the whole situation got so intense, and I got so furious at him. The only thing to do was to laugh at it, to see the humor of it. And as soon as the mind flipped into that space, of course, the pain remained, and the, the intensity remained, but there was much greater spaciousness around the experience keeping your sense of humor about the predicament that we face in our practice, in our lives. Now, attention and mindfulness and awareness is a simple thing. It's not complicated. Now, often as people begin to practice and cultivate it, Often there's a sense of too much effort, too much striving, too much struggling. It's that sense of, I'm going to be mindful if it kills me. And I'm walking around. And it's to remember that mindfulness is not paranoia. It's It's delicate, it's light. You're sitting here now. 
Can you feel the pressure of your buttocks in the cushion? Is there any problem in that? Is there any struggle? It's just, just settling back into what's happening. There's no problem, no struggle, no big efforting required. Just being here, being present. You stand, simply stand. You walk, simply walk. Simply being with what's going on. But what that means is that we have to be willing to be with both the pleasant and the neutral and the unpleasant. That's what being present demands of us. That we're willing to take the whole show. But as we learn how to do that, it creates such a sense of ease and simplicity in our lives. Because instead of fighting and struggling and lost in this complicated web of fantasy and judgment and thought and future and on and on and on, we drop back into just being here, just now. It really leads to a wonderful sense and capacity of trust. Trust in the moment, trust in the unfolding, trust in the direction of our lives. Do you have any questions? Yes. Um, there's a, a very in, intense uh, level of pain in the body, the upper body, which isn't problematical, but it alternates um, with some mind states, which are more problematical because it's so easy to get caught in the mind states. The, the mind states are, are terror and um, there's a flight, and then those are the actual states of mind that are coming up. And the only thing that uh, seems to work is to make an effort, and so all of a sudden I'll become aware that I'm really caught in the mind state, you know, I'm really caught in the content. And the only thing that seems to work is to make a real conscious effort to, to get back into the body and investigate what's going on in the body, which brings all that physical pain back up. But then the mind states seem to go away. And you didn't, you didn't say very much about you know, mental anguish. I mean, could you say some more about that kind of thing? Right, that's tomorrow night's talk. <laughs> Tonight it's body pain, tomorrow it's mind pain. <laughs> uh, and as, as you know, and I know you know, it's the same attitudes that are required but sometimes, because the mind states are more subtle than the bodily sensations, they're more enticing, they're more seductive, we get caught more often. Very often, doing exactly what you describe that you do is very helpful. When you find yourself caught, really lost in an in a intense mind state, and you've lost the ability to settle back into it with awareness when there's so much um, identification and involvement with it as a way of coming back to balance coming back to the body is very helpful. You mean settling back into the mind state? It's the difference between being lost in the story of it in the concept of it or being aware of the energy of it. I'll give you an example, and again, I'm going to elaborate more tomorrow night. Remember, if you can, the last time that you were really angry. Real good anger fit. Can you hear the difference, or remember the difference, between being identified with the storyline of the anger you know, of who did this and what, and blah, 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 you know, and you're just getting more and more worked up. The difference between that kind of identified involvement with the story 
and the possibility of being there and consciously and with awareness feeling the energy of anger. Those two things are very different. They're very different experiences. One, you're lost and you're caught and you're identified and you're feeding it. The other is open to the energy that's there because of certain causes, creating the space for it to come and wash through and pass out. So that's just an indication of a possibility of working. It takes a lot of practice because the stories that we write and star in are very seductive. It's, you know, it's so amazing to watch how much we love being the star even when it's suffering. But anything for the prime role. <laughs> I've noticed the one thing I do to avoid painful sensations is get caught up in a very pleasant and alluring fantasy. How do I deal with that? That's, that's, another, that's another good one to add to the list because it's a common one. It's very helpful and necessary to learn how to be aware of that pleasant fantasy as close to the beginning as possible. Because then the power of the mindfulness will be strong enough to see that the mind is heading down that path and you say, oh, fantasy, fantasy, and you come back to what's actually happening. To the extent that we don't catch it so quickly and find ourselves really lost in the fantasy, it's that much harder to extricate. But with practice and with paying attention to the fact that that's what the mind is doing, it's a way of the mindfulness, the attention to it, is a way of coming back. Now, once you learn how to work with pain skillfully and to see how valuable an object of concentration it is, I've had so many yogis come in interviews and tell me, after they've worked with pain a lot and gotten some facility with it, when it goes away, that they miss it because their mind is just wandering and restless and how they wish the pain would come back so that they could really be concentrated. You will come to appreciate and you'll come to love it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
It's interesting when you can go to the dentist without taking Novocaine. You know, you just learn <laughs> to be with it. You know, just a, a reminder again, both to differentiate again the pain that's the danger signal and the pain that's just part of what we've accumulated and not to forget that that pain that we've accumulated and that we're experiencing, the tendency of mind in the practice is to think that it's a mistake and that it shouldn't be there and that our practice is not going well. You have to be watchful for that tendency of of mind because that's an incorrect attitude. It's not true. It's exactly what should be happening because it's happening. And we can learn, as was described, real possibility of coming to a perfect balance of mind with it. So it's tremendously fruitful. Yeah. You mentioned in passing that you also contract away from intense pleasure. Could you expand on that a little? Well, believe it or not, you may actually sometime experience that in your practice or in, in just life situations. You know, there, are, there have been times when the pleasure has gotten so, the kind of feeling of rapture, you know, just real blissful feelings can get so intense that it requires the same degree of, okay, you know, just let me be with this one. And it was, it was very interesting for me to see that it, it worked the same on both ends. One thing, as I mentioned this morning, to remember with this is that for the most part, you want to, with strong sensation or pain or any kind of strong sensation that that seems to be there in an ongoing way, mostly go back and forth. Don't stay for the whole period just with the sensation. Be with it for some time and really open to it and feel it. And then again, come back to the breath. Be with the breath for some time. And then... If it's still there, again, go back to it. So that there would be the alternation. I found that that's the most skillful way of keeping the mind mm, properly balanced. So just in closing, I'd like to remind you again of the simplicity of the practice. That is the simplicity of settling back into being present for what's happening. So right now you're sitting to be aware that you're sitting. Just to be aware of the posture, of the sensations, of the touch points. As you stand, simply be aware of standing. No special thing to do. Stay simple with it. Stay stay delicate. It's just standing and feeling yourself standing. You walk and you feel yourself walking. And just as you go through the rest of the evening, and tonight, and tomorrow, see if you can keep that quality of the dance light and delicate and soft and precise so that there's a real caring, there's a caring attitude. You'll see with with that quality of mind, with that quality of lightness, the practice progresses in a much, much easier, simpler way. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit 
dharmaseed.org slash donate.